Hello, and welcome to the Carnage Report, where we bring you the latest on all things horror-related, keeping you up to date with news you can use. I'm Julie Holland. And I'm Nick Spacek. The Carnage Report is part of the Cinepunks podcast family. Go to cinepunks.com to find entertainment news, reviews, and other great podcasts like Horror Business and Twitch of the Death Nerve. If you want to help support Cinepunks and ultimately this show, you can become a Cinepunks Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash cinepunks, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Also, please go check out these great sponsors. SX Coffee Roasters is at sxcoffeeroasters.com. And they offer specialty grade coffee roasted to order for the most fresh and delicious home brewing experience. SX is committed to accessible quality coffees, offering education on coffee and brewing to all of their customers. SX founder Aaron Dahlbeck spent years on the road in touring bands, often questing for that great cup of coffee between shows. That experience informs Essex as they strive to make high-quality coffee accessible to people across the country. Many coffees are stored for months or more after roasting, offering a stale cup. Essex Coffee Roasters roast each order as they come in to ensure your quality at home. Essex Essex Coffee Roasters (laughs) believes you don't have to be a coffee expert to enjoy a great cup of coffee. Right now, if you use Cinepunks as a promo code, you get 10% off. Other sponsor is the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They are the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley and also maybe the world. They're personable, professional, and the only place where you can get punk rock attitude with professional service and printing. You can find them at xlvacx.com. So uh, we did not have much time to think on this getting to know you question um, because I forgot to put it in the Google Doc. So the answers should be interesting. (laughs) Um, And the question is, like, both Julie and I came up uh, as music people going to shows, working shows, talking to musicians and all of that. So my question is, what's your favorite scary song? Um, you know, I don't know. Everybody loves Monster Mash, so I could go with that. But here's what I'm going to tell you is that when I was a kid and a teen, a lot of bands scared me. I was watching horror movies, but like I was afraid of Marilyn Manson. I thought Nine Inch Nails was terrifying. I wanted to buy Downward Spiral, but that cover looked scary to me. Tool videos, terrifying. Didn't want to see him. I would stay up late and watch him TV. And as soon as Marilyn Manson videos came on, I was like, too much. Don't like it. It's so weird. I could watch all the horror movies, but the music scared me. And then it's like the next scarier thing would come out. And then I wouldn't be scared anymore, you know, of the previous thing. And it it really wasn't until I started working shows and just be by nature of working, seeing a lot of like metal and you know kind of the darker shows and the theatrics and stuff like that that i was like oh this this stuff isn't scary (laughs) these are just guys in costumes they're not they're they're wearing jeans the rest of the time they're not pumping gas in that outfit (laughs) so that's it's kind of a cop-out answer but my answer is all of the songs were scary for a while (laughs) and i like them now this question was inspired by the fact that I was listening to the new episode uh, or the most recent episode of the In Defense of Ska podcast where they had a couple of members of the Blue Meanies on. And one of the things they talk about is just 
how terrifying the live performance of the blue meanie song pave the world was like seeing them live and listening to it. Like I flashed back to the first time I saw the blue meanies play at the crown bingo hall in uh, Wichita, Kansas. Um, And like, I had never seen blue meanies. I was like very, you know, vaguely familiar with them. And like that show took me from like somebody who knew like three songs to like a huge fan. And that performance like pave the world it's it's a really long song like on record but like live it drags out to almost 10 minutes and it's just like got this very very terrifying like plotting organ bit to it and it's just like billy spunk just he's a spooky front man in general but like that song just like and it's still accurate you know it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's an ecologically minded song about like terrible people and uh it's one of my favorite things to uh put on like very late at night like if you want to set a mood like because it it's legit spooky maybe we should make a scary songs playlist someday oh uh, if you have any songs you'd like to add to a scary songs playlist, uh, shoot us uh, an email and uh, we'll be more than happy to add it to that is carnage report pod at gmail.com. I did a podcast. Uh, I did a playlist for Cinepunks uh, for Halloween a year or two ago. That's called real killers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which are all songs about serial killers. <laughs> That's a good one. I I do have a favorite. Um, it's not a serial killer, but I have a favorite true crime murder song, Ooh. which is "The Corner" by Smoking Popes, which is based on the In Cold Blood killings in that uh, Truman Capote wrote about uh, in In Cold Blood. Uh, my favorite uh, song about real life things is Nico Case's "Deep Red Bells," which is about the Green mm-hmm. River Killer, um, and Man, that is a that is a sad song. Yeah, I guess that should have been our question. What's our favorite <laughs> actual murder song? <laughs> Again, if you have anything you'd like to add to that, uh, shoot us an email. We'll add it to the list. Yeah. And now, New Nightmares. This is our roundup of trailers, new to streaming, coming to theaters soon, and all other news announcements that we could round up for this episode. <laughs> uh, first up, we are talking about the upcoming uh, Bloomhouse picture, They, Them, uh, which will be streaming on Peacock this summer. Um, it is, uh, I'm sorry, it is pronounced they slash them ha 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 um and that premieres uh august 5th um it is the director directorial debut for oscar nominated screenwriter john logan um and it is formerly known as whistler camp but it is a queer empowerment story set at a gay conversion camp um stars kevin bacon um i feel like this is like a really great idea also i'm kind of excited about the fact that like Anna Klumsky is uh in this yeah me too 
because god i can't remember the last thing that she was in um, she was in um that that <laughs> adelvi um docu series sort of mm. not docu bio shonda rhymes situation but uh like i like queer horror is always uh like something that's fantastic and wonderful and like this given uh like how you hear any story coming out of any conversion camp it seems like uh it's a natural setting Mm -hmm. like just like even if you just made it a movie about a conversion camp it would probably be terrifying so yeah uh, it seems a very natural fit and i'm kind of excited to see it also it's on peacock so um i will be able to see it yeah it'll be easy to catch all right next item this is coming to netflix so another one easy to catch this is a series called first kill and the synopsis of this series is you never forget your first teenage vampire juliet sets her sights on a new girl in town calliope for her first kill but much to juliet's surprise calliope is a vampire hunter both find that the other won't be so easy to kill and unfortunately way too easy to fall for so we have some forbidden love between a couple of teenage girls. Uh, one's a vampire. One's a vampire hunter. Um, the preview for it, it it looks cheesy, but but fun. Like, you know, it's it's that whole Romeo and Juliet West Side Story. The parents are like, you can't love this person. That whole thing. So it could be it could be a fun little uh, series to kind of lose yourself in for the summer it starts on june 10th uh and i find it really funny that imani lewis is playing the vampire hunter because she was also in vampires versus the bronx Mm -hmm. uh, which is another sort of teen vampire hunter movie um that i feel like not a lot of people like not enough people saw or those who did see it like just kind of forgot about it and agreed i when i saw it i told everyone like watch this movie it's so fun it's so it's so good and now i kind of want to go back and revisit it yeah agreed um so we finally got the first look at the upcoming predator sequel prey um prequel prequel and the interesting (laughs) thing about it is that it's not like really a trailer it's just like a, a scene um but I think it gives you a really it sets the it sets the scene really well. Um, it's uh, if if you're familiar with it, um, like it takes the viewer back 300 years to the Predator's first trip to Earth, um, and uh, is set in the Comanche Nation, um, and they evidently did a really good job of like making sure that this isn't uh exploitative um mm-hmm. and like pretty much the entire cast are um either um native or first nations people um and it just like i'm so hyped for this when it hit, it's hitting on hulu uh, also on august 5th um the the same day uh that they them comes out so like august 5th is looking to be a packed online release slate yeah yeah this looks really interesting i I'm not super into Predator in general, but now I'm like, I better, I better get up on all those films because I want to watch this one and I want to know what I'm watching. All right, next thing. This is another series for fans of the CW's Supernatural. 
get excited because and this is also another prequel because now we have a supernatural prequel in the winchesters um the winchesters is about the parents of sam and dean from supernatural and the synopsis is mary is a 19 year old is 19 years old and has been fighting the forces of darkness since she was a child after losing someone close to her the hardened hunter considers quitting the family business until her father's disappearance and the arrival of newcomer john forces her to lead a new team john has recently returned from vietnam selfless and clear-headed he finds a new mission back home where traces of his father's past lead him to a secret organization and a whole new war as a hunter so i actually didn't watch supernatural when it was on even though i have nothing against the cw and watched every episode of smallville so i've just started watching it actually recently so i got it. another thing i got to work through before this premieres <laughs> 14 seasons right? yeah i'm not gonna make it i'm not gonna make it before this starts although this is only the pilot they're just getting started so maybe i might make it you never know i'm i'm excited to see uh how they fake uh lawrence kansas uh this go around yes <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's uh and uh, rolling right along uh, in the, the sequel uh, department, which seems to be the uh, sequels and prequels seem to be the name of the game on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris uh, Lamartina, the director, is back with the WNUF Halloween sequel, um, which we have no idea when it's coming out. Uh, except for this fall. Um, but it is a sequel to the 2013 WNUF Halloween special um, that um, I have sung the praises of. I think anybody who's seen it absolutely loves it. Um, we brought it up when we talked about, uh, when we were talking about uh, various Panic Fest things, um, mm-hmm. because he actually has a movie that is very much in the vein of the the found footage of the WNUF Halloween special uh, called "What Happens Next Will Scare You." Um, mm-hmm. It's it 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 has its moments, but I think uh, the best parts are the ones that really lean close to like this very '80s VHS uh, thing. Uh, so I'm super hyped for this. Yeah, if people haven't seen the WNUF Halloween special it's truly like you found an old VHS tape and you popped it in and just played what's on it like something someone recorded off of TV it's it's really cool it really it like I think the thing that makes it work so well is the fact that it 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 feels like it's from that time it's not like wink and nod like look at all these 80s references mm-hmm mm-hmm all right, one more sequel, I think. And that is, we have a release date for Hocus Pocus 2, which is September 30th on Disney+, Plus, just in time for Halloween. Uh, I think probably most people who are horror fans are already familiar, but in case you're not, Hocus Pocus 2 is going to have Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Jimmy back as the Sanderson sisters. And also Doug Jones will be coming back, which I think is pretty crucial as well and uh so it's been 29 years since someone lit the black flame candle and resurrected the 17th century sisters who were executed for practicing witchcraft and they are looking for revenge now it is up to three high school students to figure out how to stop the ravenous witches from that's a 
hard sentence the ravenous witches from wreaking a new kind of epic on Salem before midnight on All Hallows Eve. So it sounds like pretty much the same story for a new generation. And I I think that's great. Let's and it's got it. Sam Richardson who yeah. like uh him and horror comedy seem to go together so well. Mm-hmm. Good fit. Uh Okay, so uh, finally, something that is not uh, a prequel or a sequel, um, <laughs> although it does, in fact, also have a slash in the title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's called Slashback. Um, oh, man, I like watched the trailer for this, and I am so excited. Uh, it is the directorial, uh, feature directorial debut from Nyla Inukskuk. Inuksuk, uh, uh, who co-wrote the film with Ryan Cavan. Um, and the uh, summary is as follows. Micah and her ragtag friends discover an alien invasion in their tiny Arctic hamlet, and it's up to them to fight back. Utilizing makeshift weapons and their horror movie knowledge, the aliens soon realize that you don't mess with the girls from Pang. Um it looks like a very uh, has a very attack the block feel. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that one of the characters in the trailer is wearing a jacket that says "No Justice on Stolen Land." Um, mm-hmm. All these, all of the actors in this movie are evidently kids who lived in the lived in the town where they shot it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's going to be out in theaters and on demand on June twenty fourth. Um, it just looks so much fun. Like it really does. They, I, it, it looks like it, the like the glimpses you get of like the creature effects and everything just look like it's it's gonna be good. Like it doesn't look no cheap cheesy CGI. Like it looks like they went for some real special effect, like practical effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excited for that one. All right, now we're in the first of a two-part thirst trap alert segment. <laughs> Um, which is it looks like Dan Stevens has signed on to reunite with Adam Wingard for the sequel to Godzilla versus Kong. He is set to star as the lead in the next installment. This is exciting for fans of Wingard's previous 2014 horror thriller, The Guest, in which Dan Stevens was phenomenal on a lot of levels. <laughs> Those of us who were sad when he left Downton Abbey were rewarded. <laughs> With our understanding of his need to go on to, you know, movies. So excited. It's that could get me into the Godzilla stuff. You never know. <laughs> I have enjoyed all of the Godzilla remakes um thus far. The the Monsterverse franchise, as it were. Um, strangely, with the exception of the first movie in the series, Godzilla, I wasn't I'm still not a big fan of that one. But um Godzilla versus Kong was a real blast. Um I quite enjoyed it and it definitely set up the idea for sequels cool and we're gonna have to wait a while for that one because it's not even in production yet but get excited speaking of in production um there is a company called encyclopocalypse publications that do um audio uh they do audiobooks of horror novels they've and they do a lot of they've done some reissues of some classic um like movie novelizations and things like that but they have also started branching out into 
original novelizations. Uh, and their most recent announcement is Brett Nelson has wrote, has written a uh, adaptation of the, um, oh, Manborg from the wonderful, wonderful folks um, uh, at Astron 6, um, uh, the folks behind Father's Day, the editor, Leprechaun Returns, and of course, Psycho Goreman. Um, yeah, the stuff that uh, Encyclopocalypse has been putting out is really great. They just uh, released a book um, uh, that is about the making of the movie Dog Soldiers. And it's if you liked the You've Got Red on You, um, then you uh, the, the book about the making of uh, Shaun of the Dead, then you'll really dig that one. Cool. All right. Thirst Trap Part 2. We have a trailer for the new Universal Pictures movie, Beast, that stars Idris Elba. And he's going to punch a giant lion, a bloodthirsty lion, apparently. Uh, Here's the synopsis. Elba plays Dr. Nate Daniels, a recently widowed husband who returns to South Africa, where he met his first wife, where he first met his wife on a long planned trip with their daughters to a game reserve managed by Martin Battles, an old family friend and wildlife biologist. But what begins as a journey of healing jolts into a fearsome fright for survival when a, when a lion, a survivor of bloodthirsty poachers who now sees all humans as the enemy, begins stalking them. So this looks like a pretty cool like man versus nature kind of movie, survival horror animal horror evil poachers horror it's <laughs> and universal pictures so it's big budget horror we'll see it in the theaters i would imagine uh, oh yeah in theaters august 19th read the full thing before talking yeah so uh, i'm excited i <clears throat> like i'm always excited for idris elba in anything um and like especially like him doing action is just so much fun like yeah. he's just like i think an underrated badass mm-hmm. he's, um, and he's so charming in everything he does yes um now uh a movie that might not quite have the production values of beast uh is the movie scare zone uh which is coming to digital and vod um on june 3rd um the, the the thing about this movie is they shot it on location at universal orlando resorts halloween horror nights because they had like built like this maze and then after halloween it was gonna sit vacant for like three weeks and so they wrote a script and shot a movie in those three weeks before like they had something else use it in november it it reminds me a lot uh like watching the trailer i'm like this is basically funhouse meets like hellfest um mm-hmm. both of which are movies that are not good but are entertaining um so I mean, it has potential. Um, it definitely looks like they really use the space, I, I guess, for lack of a better term. So, I mean, it. I'm withholding judgment and hoping that they did the thing where they give you just enough in the trailer to make you want to watch it and then save the good bits for the actual movie as opposed to putting them all in the trailer. It looks fun. And I was actually looking at the IMDb for it because... Um... One of the voices sounded like William Regal from wrestling. It's not. But as I was looking, I discovered that Taylor Hansen is in it. So if that's something that gets you in the door, looks like a small part. Geek number three. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so uh you have probably watched uh yeah anyhow you're next <laughs> next what we do in the shadows season four plot has been somewhat released we've got some we have some teases on it um season four is coming july 12th it's an fx series for those who aren't caught up if you have not watched what we do in the shadows the movie or the series and you're listening to this you you gotta watch it you're gonna like it if you like horror you're gonna like it it's silly it's fun i don't know you're you're obviously watching it and uh i'm not gonna read you the whole synopsis because it's really long uh, but I'll just I'll I'll cut to the chase in the first part of it. So if you remember the season finale, and if, if you haven't watched last season, I guess just skip ahead. If you remember the season finale, we all thought Colin Robinson was gonna die, and instead he came back as a baby, which was wild. And and the, the vampires all kind of went their separate ways. So this season they returned to Staten Island to find their mansion on the verge of total structural collapse and with no money to repair it, while Nandor's eternal search for love finally yields results. Nadia finally realizes her dream of opening the hottest vampire club in the tri-state area. Laszlo struggle, struggles with the question of nature versus nurture as he tries to raise baby Colin to be anything other than an energy vampire. And Guillermo finds himself on a powerful emotional track that touches on his love for his family and for others. Um, I mean, I didn't know where they were going to go. I was really worried about Colin Robinson dying anyway because he had quickly become my very favorite character. <laughs> so. I don't know what they're going to do as far as raising him as a weird CGI baby, but I'm going to watch every episode. Oh yeah. Like I I'm uh, super down for it. If, if you don't, if you're missing out uh, on it, then I recommend head over either to the CW app or head over to HBO max, watch Wellington paranormal, which is mm -hmm. a spinoff featuring the cops from the film. Uh, it is a, it is if you thought, if you think what we do in the shadows is dry, like this, like this is bone dry. Like, yeah. it, like I love it. I think it's great. I'm still waiting for the third and fourth seasons to hit streaming because they're at, they've been out in New Zealand for for like a year or two at this point. Um, so I keep hoping that maybe ahead of season four, we'll 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 get to watch those two seasons of that show. Okay, we have one last news thing. Uh, we absolutely have to talk about this because it is the it is the talk of the internet. Like it made variety. Like this is the article I'm reading from is from Variety <laughs> earlier this week, um, and I will just read you the headline because I think it um, says it all. Mm -hmm. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey director teases slasher film plot. Pooh and Piglet go on a rampage. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, the original Winnie the Pooh stories hit public domain five months ago, which means that Pooh, Piglet, uh, like that, those characters are in the public domain. It means you can use them and do with them what you will. Now, um, you have to like be very careful and make sure that you're not like, doing anything um that really acknowledges the fact that there's a disney thing because like yeah. that is copyrighted also tigger came along later so he's not allowed but uh yeah the the, the according to this the, the story in variety uh this movie will see Pooh and piglet as the main villains going on a rampage after being abandoned by a college-bound christopher robin um 
because they've had to fend for themselves. They've essentially become feral. And if you look at the pictures uh, like that, that have been shared, uh, the characters look terrifying. Um, that is not the piglet I grew up with. <laughs> piglet looks like uh, like whatever the, the hog from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, either Rocksteady or Bebop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, um, yeah, these are essentially based on the 1926 versions, um, which is why there is no little red shirt on Winnie the Pooh. Um, And evidently, (laughs) there is a scene featuring Eeyore's tombstone, the miserable donkey having been eaten by a starving Pooh and Piglet. This is where I'm going to tell you that I got in trouble in a group chat for saying, oh, good. I hope Eeyore gets what's coming to him because apparently we're a little sensitive about Eeyore's mental health issues. He's a fictional donkey. (laughs) But yes, everyone's allowed to be bummed out. (laughs) uh, That is the news. And uh, let us uh, discuss our feature film. Now on to our feature presentation. Today, we're going to be discussing Hatching from director Hannah Bergholm. The movie is about a young gymnast who tries desperately to please her demanding mother, discovers a strange egg, hides it, and keeps it warm. But when it hatches, what emerges shocks them all. Mm-hmm. 
I gotta say, I thought the trailer for this movie showed too much, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, that's just the beginning. Exactly. Uh, There's a lot going on in this movie, like, on so many different levels. First of all, this is our uh, second movie about social influencers, Mm -hmm. um, wherein we discover that, hey, guys, is just as irritating in Finnish as it is in English. Yeah. I I guess maybe a lot of people have annoyance at social media influencers because they are not made out to be the good guys in any of these movies. And this mom is no exception. She is the worst. And anyone who has had parents who were maybe a little too busy with their own lives to really focus on what's going on with their kids, they're going to they're going to find themselves a little bit in this movie. The. The overall plot is like you, like as explained, you know, in, in, in the synopsis, um, doesn't really like talk to the fact that like this young girl, um, Pina, um, and her mother have like a very fraught relationship. Um, interestingly enough, the mother and father, uh, you never find their names out. They are just mother and father. Like you I didn't even realize that, but yeah, you're right. Find out like the names of like all the other characters, specifically like children. Um, mm-hmm. like which I think is a very interesting statement. Like you you know the name of uh Tina's uh brother Matthias, uh her, mm-hmm. her friend Rita. Um but yeah, like and you even find out the name of the mother's boyfriend taro mm-hmm. uh but like then you like the coach is only known as coach like you really only get the names of like a couple of the characters which is like directing you as to maybe who you're with whom you're supposed to sympathize yeah, yeah it's definitely you're definitely coming at this from tina's point of view yeah like <clears throat> And what's really sort of fascinating is it kind of ties, at least for me, kind of ties into uh, another movie we've talked about, which is Midnight, because there's a lot of like facial expressions rather than dialogue going on in, mm-hmm. in hatching, uh, which I like, I don't know if that's like an allusion to like all the things left unsaid within the family, or maybe I'm just really leaning into that English degree. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe, although in some ways there's like too much said because that Tina and her mom definitely have <laughs> the relationship. Well, her mom is definitely putting upon Tina the relationship where she tells her way too much. I mean, Tina's what middle school, we think 12, 12. Think yeah, a 12 year old. So and her mom is like, oh, you caught me kissing the handyman. Well, we're in love. And. I mean, you've met dad, right? Like, obviously (laughs) not in love with him. Like, oh, okay. Well, that's a lot to tell your 12 year old. That's, that's not really the relationship that is healthy for a mother daughter situation. And and it's like the relationship, there's a lot of bad or like falling apart relationships in this Mm -hmm. movie. Um, Like, uh, like, I guess like at its heart like this movie is like definitely about puberty right (laughs) definitely about puberty definitely about the mother-daughter connection or lack thereof it's kind of a mommy dearest 
in puberty with a creature. Yeah, like, I mean, there are, like, scenes where there are, like, blood stains on a bed sheet that are interpreted to mean something totally different. Um, obviously, like, a body changing. Um, fights with your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it's... And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that there are a lot of, like, different, like, parenting relationships going on there. It's not just between, like... Tina and her mom, like Tina and the the creature Ali, um, the mom and Matthias, which seems like super toxic. Uh, mm-hmm. The mom and Helmi, which is uh, it, uh, which is Taro's baby, and then there's like the relationship between the mom and Ali. Like, there's all these, yeah, like p- different people are different parents in in this film, and you see. Yeah, it's it's like I, the more I like the more I thought about it after I watched it, I was like, "There's a there's a lot going on." There really is. It's like you can watch it on that surface level of a creature feature with some weird slimy shit going on. <laughs> there's an egg. This doesn't even make scientific sense. Eggs don't grow once they're <laughs> laid, but so you can watch it on that level. And, and still enjoy it, like still enjoy the effects, enjoy the gore of it as it is gory, it is slimy. But then you can also really kind of dig into like the more mental horror, you know, like the kind of emotional abuse that's going on and the, you know, the horrors of growing up even. It's it's a very again like i love the fact that like monster movies uh, especially those getting made these days with practical effects like really lean into like the fact like making things sticky and goopy mm-hmm. um, um the 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 special effects um the the, the designer between the animatronic behind the animatronics was a guy named uh, gustav hagen um who like worked on rise of skywalker and prometheus <laughs> Um, and I read an article, like an interview with him, uh, at the verge and like the, the way he describes like how they got it, like wet and sticky is, um, the more you lube it up, the more realistic it looks like it's an old school trick. As someone who's had to shop for guar, I can test. (laughs) It's just like, if, uh, find uh the article um uh at the verge it's called how hatching's charmingly terrifying monster was brought to life and i think that's a very good description is that like it's very gross but you're also like oh yeah you feel for it right away uh yeah if you uh like you know how ugly baby birds are when they're first hatched now imagine that like the size of a 12 year old yeah people size baby bird that's going through changes unbird like very unbird like um yeah like the special effects are just like superb um and and the other person who did makeup on this whose name i can't remember um unfortunately who did the effects sort of like as the bird changes into ali uh, is the the guy who did uh the the effects on the dark knight for the joker and his makeup which oh, is okay like, uh, once you see the movie it you, you will understand why that makes a lot of sense he's got a type <laughs> <laughs> um i want to say that 
the actress who played Tina, I'm going to try to pronounce her name, Siri Sola, Solarina, maybe? I don't know. There's Let's a lot ahead. of there's a lot of duplicate letters and I'm not sure how they would be pronounced. Um, she did great. I think this is her first movie. And I think for her first movie, very impressive little actress. She was absolutely great because I mean, like, again, like she not only has to like, as the lead carry the, the film sort of on her shoulders. She also, I don't think this is a spoiler, but she ends up playing a double role and like at mm-hmm. 12, 13, however old she is like, uh, like it's, it's really astonishing. And like, she, the, the thing that like, going back to like um what i was talking about like there's an awful lot of facial expressions and like asking you know like a 12 year old to to act without using words like it could go either way really Mm -hmm. yeah and she does great at that you like you you know kind of every minute how she's feeling just by looking at her you can you can really read the emotions all over her yeah it, the, especially like it's really great like watching her there are several scenes of her with her mother where she, her mom is like showing her things on her laptop and she's behind her mom and so you can see like the face that she puts on for her mother versus like her actual reactions and mm-hmm. like she's just like having to switch like on turn on a dime with those expressions and it's it's really impressive to watch mm-hmm yeah, and maybe what we didn't fully say about her mother is that she is running a, a vlog about how their family is absolutely perfect and beautiful. And, you know, and so they're all kind of wearing that mask of this beautiful, perfect family for the camera and then kind of for their life in front of their mother until, you know, it starts to fall apart because the mom is just getting what she wants. <laughs> um. Yeah, the, I'm trying to remember the the name of her mother's blog because it is so just. It sounds like a totally beautiful life or something like that, right? Something about beautiful life. Yes, and it's just, it's so absolutely basic. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a... Uh, a basic name for a, a blog and, and it, it it's very like everything seems very um white <laughs> like, yes like I guess that's the best way of putting it um yeah I'm sorry it is called lovely everyday life oh okay um, which is like maybe that's a translation thing or whatever but like man that is the, that is the most banal t- title for yeah I feel like that's the kind of that's the kind of title you can land on when you're like searching for the perfect chocolate chip cookie recipe on Pinterest and you click one and you're like this sounds legit lovely everyday life yeah that sounds like a person who makes good chocolate chip cookies (laughs) and what I find really sort of fascinating is you're never given a direct answer as to whether the blog is successful or not yeah she's definitely doing like when it comes to the gymnastics competition, she's like streaming it. So the things that happen, happen live. And then, you know, she, she reaches out later to her fans and, uh, you know, thanks for all your kind words. And, you know, you're really part of our family, but we don't really know. 
if there, you know, how many people are reaching out, like we could say, Hey, thanks millions of people for listening to our <laughs> podcast. And that doesn't make it true. <laughs> right. I think that really goes back to like the, the whole, like things unsaid, like you're, you're mm-hmm. left to, to wonder, like, is she like leaning is the mom leaning so hard on Tina because she has so many fans or because she sees you know having a a, a product a prodigy at gymnastics as like sort of like her um springboard to fame pun not intended. or does she really even need fans to see herself as that famous vlogger because I wrote down this quote because it was kind of my favorite quote of the movie is like when Taro, the boyfriend, kind of starts to see her interact with Tina, and he says to Tina, your mother really only sees herself, doesn't she? <laughs> and I think that's exactly it. Like the, the mother absolutely doesn't see anyone else or what they're going through. She's only she is the center of her own universe. She is the star of her own movie. And you can sort of see like the the way that Tina and Ali, the the creature, are linked as being like another purity thing of like acting out. But like you see legitimately like Matthias, the the younger brother, really act out at certain points. And you you are definitely shown the fact that like the mom doesn't see him as being, you know. He's not interesting enough. He doesn't have anything going on. Um, The dad doesn't have like the dad seems to like just be retreating inward. Um, Yeah. He just likes roses and playing his guitar with his headphones on. (laughs) uh, Yeah. It's, it's very much uh, like you. Matthias is like, and as soon as he's like, this is what happened. And it's just like, you're such a liar. Um, immediately dismissed despite the fact that he's the only one who actually has seen things going on and like oh maybe it's a little on the nose but he's the one who actually wears a mask yeah he's also the one i most wanted to see get what was coming to him (laughs) (laughs) he is like just like annoying little brother yeah yeah and like you like you get a little more sympathy for him, I think, as the film goes on. But like when mm-hmm. he first presented, it's just very much a oh god, not one of like I've expressed my desire for like I I side with the parents rather than the children when they're irritating children and yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would kind of classify this as a dark fairy tale. I don't know if that's how you feel about it. Like it definitely has a moral. There's definitely pointing us a direction of thought at the end, I think. Oh yeah. It's, it, it, it has like that magical aspects of things going on where there's a, you know, a creature found in the woods and raised in secret Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, interlinked with our, our protagonist. It's very much a, a, a fairy tale and like there is a, I don't know if it's a moral at the end, but it definitely has a, 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 something it's, saying regarding the interactions between parents and children but very specifically like mothers and daughters Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if it ever fully gets its point across i mean like i think i can see what it's saying i don't know if it ever quite gets it but close enough for me 
Yeah, I think it's also trying to say something about like inward versus outward appearances on top mm-hmm. of that, like the face that you present to different people mean, you know, like you present different versions of yourself to to different audiences. Um, it maybe doesn't quite stick the landing, but like. But um. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, I'm making way more gymnastics puns than I really, <laughs> I did not invent any of these. <laughs> I love it though; it's perfect. Yeah, um, I think its problem is that it is trying to say so many things that I'm not sure it fully ever says any one thing. But that's not to say I don't like it. It's just it's it, it is just uh, it's got its hand in a lot of different topics. Yeah, I I mean I I definitely enjoyed it, and it was one of those that. I think is uh, as demonstrated by like how much discussion we've and how many things we've brought up just in the short time we've been talking about it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's another one of those where it's like, I think if you watch it, watch it with somebody else so that you have somebody to talk to about it, because this is obviously not like a wide release movie. And I think you might go a little mad, not being able to like deconstruct it in the way that you want. Yeah. Or reach out and talk to us about it. Obviously, we're happy to talk to talk about it. Absolutely. The one thing like that this movie got me thinking about was like other like sort of Scandinavian horror. Mm -hmm. Um, Like people keep like I keep seeing things where they bring up like Midsommar and I'm like, that's it takes place there, but it's not it's. Yeah, that's kind of the beginning and end of the comparison (laughs) other than it's it's got that shiny Scandinavian look like clean, white, bright summertime scandinavia yeah i feel like if you, if you want like a movie that really more like leans into this like coco d coca da is mm-hmm. like captures the like the weirdness i yeah. I, think, uh, uh, I mean that movie is uh swedish not finnish but i mean it's still like in that scandy horror yeah they're all there yeah, yeah. i mean i think i don't know that i want to call this lighthearted, but i think this is more lighthearted than midsummer or coco d coco da but that's not to say that it's funny. It's not funny. I don't think there was really any much humor in it, but it didn't feel as heavy as some mm-hmm. of that. It it feels like, a, uh, like it kind of has like the same sort of uncomfortable, like where you're, you're not sure if you're supposed to laugh at things as like, let the white right one in. Mm-hmm. Like where there are parts where you're shocked, but there are also parts where you're like, at this, it, it, is it, am I laughing at this because I don't understand it or yeah. <laughs> am I laughing at it because it's actually funny? Like, is it a translation thing? Um, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. Like, uh, so I, I enjoyed this movie and would definitely mm-hmm. suggest you seek it out on VOD. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth your rental money. Uh, I watched it on Prime, and I think it costs like seven bucks to rent it. Mm-hmm. Yep, same. Yeah. So and I felt like I got seven bucks worth. Oh, one hundred percent. Like, um, also like a uh, rare movie uh, that works perfectly if you watch it like during the day. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> it is bright in a good way. All right. So those are our thoughts on the new movie Hatching.
And now I'll be right back where we talk about what we've got coming up in the next week or two. Uh, What plans do you got going on? You know, I don't have a lot. I do want to see men. I know that listener and also fellow podcast host Greg from Nightmare Junkhead wanted to know our thoughts on men, and we haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm hoping to maybe get out and see it this weekend before it leaves the theaters. But that's probably my only real horror-related plan, I think. Yeah, I I mean, I have watched a lot of... Uh like weird screeners as of late um i watched uh like all about evil and oh, yeah i checked that out last night and sewer gators <laughs> which we may talk about in an upcoming episode yeah um but yeah no uh mostly like i'm just i'm looking forward to like a few books like i've got an advanced reading copy of that uh manborg adaptation which means i should probably finally <laughs> watch the movie despite the fact that it's been out for like well over a decade yeah <laughs> um but um i'm also i finally got a a, a copy of the um book uh man-made horror from andrea l uh man-made monsters i'm sorry from andrea l rogers which is a collection of short stories that all sort of tie together in a bigger thing uh, about like monsters and uh i'm very excited to read it um it got blurbed by stephen graham jones um which is you know like cool like i'm in like i everything he reads oh (laughs) and uh if you're looking for other books to read i highly recommend uh placing a pre-order for the new uh book in the john dies at the end series um if this book exists you're in the wrong universe (laughs) that's a great title it's like those books are like i think i've read all of them like in just like one go where it's like one day (laughs) like that's all i do nice all right i think that's it yeah thanks for listening to the carnage report you can find us on twitter and instagram at report carnage and we can be reached via email at carnage at gmail.com if you'd like to make any suggestions for upcoming episodes or share your thoughts or ask us a question just reach out uh, featured music in this episode is Mystery, Mist on the Moor, Gloom Horizon, and Nightmare Machine by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. We are both on social media and uh, mm-hmm. do a lot on there. Julie, where can they find you on socials? I am Dark Humor Girl on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find my work at Downright Creepy and Modern Horrors, both dot coms. What about you, Nick? I am on Twitter at Nuthouse Punks. I am on Instagram at Nicklaus Mouse. You can find my stuff at The Pitch in Kansas City, uh, as well as at uh, Starburst Magazine from the out in the UK. And also, I just had a couple of pieces go up on Cinepunks this past week, including uh, just today that we're recording uh, an interview with director Avalon Fast about her movie Honeycomb, um, which is uh, coming to the Chattanooga uh, Horror Festival, uh, the Chattanooga Film Festival um, in a couple of months. Uh, So I uh, really recommend people read that. Uh, I think you'll get an idea of how that film goes and you should really check it out. Yes. And for the next episode, we're going to do something a little different in that the movie is not super new. We're going to discuss the 1980 film Alligator, 
which is coming to Shutter uh, June 2nd. And it's 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 going to count as new because this is the first time it's been available to stream anywhere. It, it, it was a very surprising when I believe it was Scream Factory um, put it out um, on Blu-ray earlier this year because people were like people have been begging for it like almost since that company started and everyone had kind of given up hope that it was ever going to happen. And they're like, yeah, not only do we have it, it's in a new scan and we're also putting out alligator too. So it's like, not only did we give you what you wanted, we gave you more than you could possibly imagine. Bless them. (laughs) So, uh, thanks for listening. Um, we're always happy to hear what you think. We're glad you're out there listening. Um, And again, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, everyone. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.